Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thank you for listening in. Uh, we are in our Advent series, and what we're doing is we're just preparing our hearts to receive at Christmas. The Christmas season can be crazy, it can be busy, and it can stifle our souls. But what we want to do is we want to prepare our hearts to remember the meaning of Christmas and to receive all that God has for us in this season. Good morning, y'all. Can y'all stand for the reading of God's Word? Scripture today is coming from Isaiah, ninth chapter, 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in a land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that, bur- that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Verse five, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So hearing the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give us. Bring you honor and worship Jesus. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, standing with me just for one more moment. Um, we're in our Advent season, uh, which this is a season where we remember the first coming of Jesus and we look forward to the second coming of Jesus. I don't know about you guys, like when I was growing up, I wasn't really excited about the second coming of Jesus. Anybody else? I think like Rapser's Theology and like, you know, uh, what was that book? Uh, what was it called? Yeah, the scary thing. Left Behind series. Yes. Uh, kind of gave me like this existential dread of what was coming. Um, but the scripture says that we should eagerly anticipate the coming of Jesus uh, because we believe that when he comes, his kingdom of light and peace and hope, it reigns and, and love will reign. So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. And so today we're going to light the joy candle. Uh, we've gone through hope. We've gone through peace. And today we're going to light the candle of joy. And what we believe is that Christ brings light. Amen. And so as I light this, say with me, Christ is light. You ready? Christ is light. Oh, we got it. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Huggins, this guy's been with me doing ministry since he was like 14 years old. Give it up for Jacob Huggins. He's married now, going to be having a baby. Incredible. Praise God, right? Um, Well, how's everybody's week gone? Going well? Pretty good? Okay, I'm seeing some nodding heads. That's good. Um, You know, when when I was younger, I was a bit of a zealot. Um, And when I was in Bible school, I remember being in class one day, and they were talking about Christmas and the Christmas season. And I I boldly announced to everyone, I'm done with Christmas. I'm done with the commercialism. This isn't worship. This isn't about Jesus. And I'm no longer going to participate. And afterwards, My Bible teacher pulled me aside and he said, you know, Bronson, I tried that. And he said, it didn't go well. 
He says, here's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to hate you and nothing's going to change. He said, you might as well learn to engage thoughtfully and redemptively. So here's the question. How can Christians engage thoughtfully and redemptively in a commercialized season, right? So my thesis is this, is that Christians can find the joy of Christmas in a commercialized season. Uh, Recommended reading, I always try to give you something. There's a book called Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis. I barely get this book. Uh, Joy is one of the most, I don't know, elusive concepts. Uh, This week as I was going through this and struggling with it, because like there's this, there's this tension of longing, this anticipation, and then is that anticipation met with fulfillment? Like is what you're looking for, does it actually happen? Um, Do y'all remember growing up as kids, like the anticipation of Christmas? I don't know what it was like for you. Some of you guys like Christmas is terrible. I'm speaking to the first part of the room who loved Christmas. I'll address the other side later. Um, but for me, Christmas was great. Like I looked forward to it every year. Like I grew up in like the golden age of video games. Kids today, they just don't know. All right. Uh, my first system was the NES, the original Nintendo. Okay. Had Duck Hunt, had the little gun, had all those things. Yes. Uh, second uh, was the Super Nintendo. Um, you know, Super Mario World, uh, you know, we had Street Fighter, right? I still will take any of you down. Uh, Street Fighter, just come approach me afterwards, we'll set it up. Uh, but my favorite what was this one, um, the Nintendo 64. All right, 1999 was a good year. Um, and I didn't think I was going to get it. Honestly, like in our family, like we usually got systems like a couple years after they came out. Uh, we had to wait for the prices to come down, whatever. But this year, not this year, this year, I got the system the year it came out. And it had like NBA Jam 99, you know, Super Mario 64. Is anybody with me on this? You had to get the big stars, all that kind of stuff. Why was it so great? It's because I had anticipation, and that longing, that anticipation was met with fulfillment. Um, Listen, like I said, not all of us had great Christmases. Some of yours could be terrible. But maybe you've experienced this when maybe you told someone you loved them for the first time, and you heard back the magic words, I love you too, right? Or maybe a time you can't explain, but joy just like rushed in, like watching somebody else like play with your stuff. I remember one time, my mom had this like Twist of Flex watch. Do you remember those, the Twist of Flex bands? And my buddy got to play with it. And I always got to play with it in church and I handed it to him. I was like, check this out. And he sat there the entire service. He's like, this is so cool. I don't know why, but it just flooded me with joy. Maybe when somebody was like truly blown away with a gift you'd given them, or maybe like you made the sale or you got the job or you bought the house. But here's what I'd be willing to bet. No matter how great the thing was, at some point, the joy faded, right? The feeling faded. No matter how awesome the toy was, it lost its sheen. No matter how great the puppy love was, the feelings of young love faded. And even the greatest sale dampens when you realize you have to do it all over again next month. All the people in sales said, amen. Here's what I believe. We need a joy that rises above the pains and circumstances of life. And this is precisely what Christian joy offers. 
you know, it's difficult because we don't face real persecution, right? Like I read an article this week, the martyrs died singing. We have no lens for that, right? We have no experience like that. But it's interesting. John Cheever says this. He says, the main emotion of the adult American who has all the advantages of wealth, education, and culture is disappointment. Perhaps the joys of wealth and status and modern life aren't sufficient to satisfy the deepest longings in our souls. Listen, it's not that these things aren't good things. Nintendo 64, incredible. Still love it. Love, incredible. Relationships, incredible. But the issue comes when we store up joy for ourselves, for things that are supposed to point us towards the ultimate source of joy. What I believe for us in this season, it's unavoidable. The consumerism, all the stuff, it's unavoidable. But I actually believe that we can engage redemptively and worshipfully as we go through this season. How do we do it? Here's what I want to submit to you. We do it by recognizing these little moments of joys as signposts pointing us towards something greater. The issue is when we look to creation, when we look to stuff, to ultimately satisfy us, it will ultimately let us down, right? But when we recognize that stuff points us towards a greater reality, this is what we're going to get into, it brings us incredible joy that lasts the pains of life. Amen? You know, what I found is we don't really have, um, we don't really have festivals in our culture anymore, right? Not really. I mean, we have like Bonnaroo, but we probably shouldn't go to that. Uh, or at least I shouldn't. Um, that's a deep track for the music people and people who have struggled with the substances a little bit. Um, but as Christians, we don't really have festivals. We, we don't, I always wanted Easter, like this is like my dream, is that Easter would become this great festival where we'd like get together, and we'd have parties all week, and we'd just celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But what I've realized is the festival we have is the one that I tried to do away with, which is Christmas, right? It begins, Christmas begins November 1st, all right? Who, who in here had their Christmas tree up as soon as Halloween was over? There's a couple of us. Okay, you get it. You know what I'm talking about. So for us in the Duke house, what we've decided to do is to just make this a season of joy. This is a festival. This is a time where we gather together, we think about God, we enjoy God. And that's what I want to give to you. What I want to encourage you to do in this season is turn it into a time of prolonged worship, prolonged enjoyment, where we don't look to the enjoyment to satisfy us. We look to the enjoyment to encourage us to worship the one who created joy, right? The one who created enjoyment. Okay, so I'm gonna to try to help us create a mosaic of theology and a pathway towards this. So number one, point number one, the path to joy begins with light. Everyone say light. Okay, Isaiah 9-2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Okay, just think about our world. What symbolizes the beginning of the Christmas season? It's lights, right? We start going on, like there's an energy, things are getting darker, and all of a sudden, there's Christmas lights at the shops and on houses. We have tree lighting ceremonies. Did anybody go to those? I think we had a couple this year, right? We wrap trees inside and outside with lights. We put lights on our roofs at risk of our own lives. We put candles in our windows. Doesn't it just stir, does anybody else, maybe it doesn't for you, does it stir your heart? 
I kind of want to get a feel for the room. Does it stir you? Like it does something. It does something for me. Uh, and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, even among the most melancholy of us, you know who you are, it just does something. It lifts us, which is helpful because when it gets dark at 4.30 in the afternoon, is it getting darker earlier? What's happening? Um, we need a lift, right? Um, and it's not just the, the daylight savings times. I don't know if it's like age, like you just experience dark, darkness differently. I don't know. But at 4.30, we need a lift. Seasonal depression is real, right? So we love to see light piercing the deep darkness. What does it point to? What's that something deeper it points to? This is what Christmas is all about. It's light piercing the darkness. We, we've even woven this deep concept into our calendar. Why is it getting darker? Because we're approaching the winter solstice. Okay, I don't know if you knew this. December 25th, not Jesus' real birthday, okay? Blow your mind for a second. Uh, what, What we did in our calendar is we placed Christmas at the darkest time of the year so that we could celebrate the light breaking through the darkness, right? Um, It's a beautiful reminder in the Western world. When the night is longest and darkest, listen to me, when your days, when your life is darkest and longest and most painful, that's precisely where the light of Jesus shows up. And it illuminates the darkness. I, I wonder what you might be going through. Listen, for some of you in here, you're coming into church and, and honestly, your life is in shambles. Like, I don't know who you are, but right now you're like, you're speaking to me. I don't know your story, but, but what I know is that for a lot of us in here, our lives could be in ruin. The people in the scripture can relate. This verse, it was written to the Israelites. We're going to talk more about this in a minute, but the, Israel, the kingdom of Israel was divided. Um, they had had civil wars. They had totally missed God's plan for them. And it had gotten so bad that the scripture says that God brought in other nations to actually remove the people from the promised land and take them in other lands. And so this scripture is written to people who are well acquainted with darkness. If you go in and you look at the Hebrew, the word for darkness, it actually means death darkness. It's like as dark as it could possibly get. You know, in this season, it's a time, if I ask for a show of hands, which I'm not, many of you would say you, you hate this season. I know this because in my men's group, like half the people are like, Christmas is the worst. That's what we're working on here. They're not Scrooges. This season reminds them of pain. Relational rifts are highlighted. Family members who aren't with us are painfully obvious. Bank accounts are depleted. And we have very little to show for it, right? Your spouse is mad. Your presents get returned that you put all that work into. Your family can't seem to get it together, and it seems like a waste. I want to encourage you, if that's you, this is a time to remember not that darkness doesn't exist, but that it does, and Christ comes to meet us in the darkness. I want to encourage you, if that's you, let the worship, let, let the pain draw you towards worship. I want to come back to a minute you're in a place of darkness, here's the question I think you have to ask yourself. What is your guiding light? Like, I'll say it a different way. We're talking about joy. What do you run to when your joy is depleted? What do you run to when you're hitting depression? Is it substances? Could it be sex? 
Could it be shopping? What, what, what is it for you that you run to? And I think the next question I have to ask is, how is it working for you? How is that working? How, how is that doing in illuminating the darkness in your life? Could you need a greater and stronger light? Tim Keller says this. He says, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys for tasting coming sorrow, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. You know, it's really not hard for us to imagine that the world is a dark place. We can shield ourselves from it, but only for so long. Listen, I don't know what you brought in here with you, what you're going through, but here's the good news of Christmas, is that a better light has come. John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have a light that leads to life. I had a realization this week um, as I'm going through this, just like wrestling with this concept of joy. I, I realized it's difficult because in my heart of hearts, I struggle to believe that other things won't satisfy me. In my heart of hearts, I struggle to believe that more won't bring me more, that better won't make me feel better. I, I really believe that going to those things are going to lift me. But if we've done it long enough, when you get the new thing, what do you want? Something newer, right? The light of Christ leads us to contentment, which ultimately brings us to joy. I want to, I want to read this to you. Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I know what, it's, what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in poverty or in want. I can do all things who gives me strength. So a question to ask yourself, do you have joy in the season? And if you don't, what are you going to to try to find joy? I want to encourage you to do this. Psalm 51, verse 12. This is a prayer for a Christian lacking joy. It says, return to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they'll return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Point two, the place of joy is the vastness of God's kingdom. So point one, the path of joy is the light of God. Point two, the place of joy is in the vastness of God's kingdom. Isaiah 9, verse four, says, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. Uh, do y'all remember the Lion King? Do you remember when Simba's small and he's hanging out with Mufasa? And he takes him on the walk, and they go up on the hill, and he says, look, Simba. He says, everything the, the light touches is our kingdom. And what does Simba do? You remember? What's the first question he asked him? What about that dark place over there, right? He says, you should never go there, right? Uh, that's a place of, of death and darkness. You know, the kingdom of God is kind of a difficult concept for us. I don't know what you grew up with. My concept of kingdom, so in the book of Matthew, which is usually the first gospel that we read, uh, 
the, the writer refers to as the kingdom of heaven, right? What, what do you think of when you think of heaven? I just want you to take a moment. You can actually close your eyes. Let's do an exercise here. I just want you to imagine heaven for a moment. What comes to mind for you? Is your mind a complete blank? Narnia, that's good. Do you think of, I used to think of like, kind of like disembodied figures and clouds. Um, it, it's interesting. The, the scripture gives us a very different picture of what, of what the kingdom of God is. Um, J.I. Packer describes it this way. He describes the kingdom of God as the golden age of blessing in an era in this present spiritual time leading to a future state of unmixed joy in a reconstructed universe. Okay, that's a ton. Oh, do we have it up there? Perfect. Okay, I didn't know if we had that. I got notes to them late. Here's, here's what's amazing about this. It says, it's a present time of spiritual benefit leading us to a future state of unmixed joy in a reconstructed universe. N.T. Wright puts it like this. God's kingdom in the preaching of Jesus refers not to a postmortem destiny, not to an escape from this world to another one, but to God's sovereign rule coming on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I want to present to you about the joys of the coming kingdom in the present kingdom. As we live into this, as we live into the light, what it says in Isaiah is actually expands our lives and expands our ter territories. But what we often do when we're lacking joy, we're lacking peace, we go to dark places to try to illuminate our lives, right? You see it all the time. We start to believe that what we're presently in, God can't redeem and bring peace to, right? So this is what happens in marriages. When you, and this is so complicated. I can't, I can't begin to go through all the complexities of this. But a lot of times what happens in a marriage, when the marriage break down, breaks down or an affair happens, is we start to think God can't enlarge. God can't heal what I'm presently in. And so I'm going to move towards something else that's going to bring me fulfillment and that's going to bring me joy. Here's the promise of the scripture. If you'll be where you're at, with God, doing the things that God asks you to do. He'll expand your territory and he'll fill your life with joy. One of our greatest fears is that the deepest longings and desires in our lives will not be fulfilled. The promise of God and the promise of the kingdom is that they will be and it'll be far better than we can imagine. Okay, so let's zoom back out. We just went deep in. Let's zoom back out. What does that mean for us? Listen, joy is not constant. Callie texted me something this morning. She said it's not constant, but the source of joy is constant. What does this mean? For so many of us, as we go through life, we have moments of pain, but we also have incredible moments of pleasure. What I, what I want to encourage you to do is when you have those moments when things are good, if everything else around you is terrible, you can look towards the future, towards the inbreaking of God's kingdom, which is going to be filled with the greatest of conversations, the greatest of moments, the best of laughs, and the fullness of God's peace. Lastly, the promise of joy was sealed in the victory of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 4 through 7. 
We hit this last week. It says, for in the days of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Okay, what does it say? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In the greatness of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Have you ever thought about why we give gifts at Christmas? We don't do Easter gifts, right? That's not a thing. We don't really do Halloween gifts. That'd be weird. We do Christmas gifts. Why? Because it's the time where we celebrate the gift of Jesus. Keller says this. He says, the theological heart of Christmas is that Jesus Christ is the only human being who wasn't just born, but he was given. So what is the promise of joy? How is it sealed in the victory of Christ? I don't know about you guys. We talked about this last week. So often I go through life and I feel all the failures. I feel all the places where I've missed it, all the places where I've wrecked my life. But the joy that comes through Christmas, the joy that comes through Jesus is that our victory and our place with God is set and it's sealed. And what we're doing right now is we're learning to live in to the life and the hope that Jesus has for us. Listen, you're gonna fail. You're gonna mess up. There's gonna be darkness. There's gonna be so many times where you miss it and you're like, how could I do this? Listen, right now is an appetizer, all right? It's a taste, it's a foretaste of what's to come in the age of blessing that we'll experience in the person of Jesus. And so here's what I wanna ask you to do is just take a little bit of time. We're gonna go into a time of reflection. Huggins is gonna come back up here in a minute uh, whenever he feels like it, you know? Um, I didn't tell him when to come up, I'm ripping on him. Um, But I wanna take some time and I want you to think proactively about the week that's coming. I want you to think about the, the, the get-togethers, the time with family, all those sorts of things. And I want you to plan for worship. And I want you to plan to think about God and experience God's joy. Amen? Because here's what's going to happen. Here, I know it. I'm, I'm already going through it. I've gone through it this week. Callie, Callie got on to me a little bit. She was like, you've been a little bit disengaged or been busy with other things. When we don't take time to reflect and time to pray, life happens to us. And we don't experience the fullness of what God might have. So how can we experience the joy of Jesus in the midst of this commercialized season? We can plan. We can interact intentionally. And we can look at the things that are happening, the things that we're going through, and we can decide in our hearts that we're going to let it lead us to glorify God and lead us to worship. Amen? I'm going to lead us through a little bit of prayer. You can bow your heads. Close your eyes all across the room. What I want to encourage you to do is just in your mind, start letting come to you the different things that you have coming up. family gatherings, get-togethers, 
things like that. And any anxieties that you might have, I just want you, I want to encourage you to allow those things to kind of rise up in your heart and your mind. Whether it be about gifts that you have to buy, financial strain, maybe pain and different things that's going on in your family, relational tension. And just bring that right now to God where you're at. Name it. God, I pray right now, just as we recognize areas of of pain, what we talked about in the midst of life's sorrows and frustrations and struggles. And God, I pray that right now you'd remind us of the joy that we have in you. If you're a Jesus follower, I want to encourage you to remember the time that you met the Lord. The season that you were in. Maybe even the pain and the struggle that you were in. I want to encourage you to remember that just bursting of joy that came into your life when you realized that there was forgiveness for your sins, that you were truly known and loved where you were at. God, return to us the joy of our salvation. Christ, we remember the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Okay, now, still in prayer, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to go through the different joyful things that are going to happen, even if they could be points of stress, gift exchanges, parties, family gatherings. I want to pray for you and pray with me. God, enable us to end these moments. Not try to over-spiritualize, but recognize the source of all good things and bring you worship. God, we just set our hearts and minds as a community. I'm bringing you glory in this season. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with joy, fill us with peace, and fill fill us with life everlasting. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said,
Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.